Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. I am so thankful that we are in a church that we have students who have these talents and gifts that God has given them and aren't afraid to share them and not only share them, but share them in a way that helps us draw closer to God, just leading us in worship today. But I'm so excited that you are here. I want to say welcome if you haven't heard it already, but we are so excited that you are here. Uh, If I haven't met you, my name is Bailey Medley, and I have the honor and privilege of being our student ministries pastor here at the NAS, which means I get to work with all of our incredible students, um, especially high schoolers. And so today, um, I'm especially excited to be with you because... It's Grad Sunday. We get to celebrate these graduates, all that they've done, all of their hard work, um, and just what they're going to be doing in this next chapter. And so we're doing that, but not only that, it is also Youth Takeover. And so you may have seen some students in some areas that you're not used to seeing them um, out in their lobby, greeting you, holding up some signs, just welcoming you, wanting to say that you're glad, they are glad that you're here. And so they are out there. They're running some of our cameras, running tech, leading worship. Um, Even some of our interns for the summer were helping serve coffee earlier today. So we are just so grateful that we um, are in a church, and I am just so blessed to be a part of a church that has student leadership like what we have here, that they want to continually um, be servant-hearted leaders, to continually give um, and be an even more integral part of their church. Um, And I mean, who could blame me to be so excited to work with students? I mean, you saw some of our graduates. They are so incredible, and they have so many awesome things ahead of them. We had some more in our first service. We had some who couldn't make it today. And actually, I want to share something super exciting with you, because today, right now, in our Spanish service, one of our seniors is preaching. Um, He is giving the Grad Sunday message down that way. And so as you think of it, just pray for him. His name is Juan Mendez. We are so excited. Um, I said earlier if I could clone myself, I would be down there listening to, because God is moving in his life. And so we are just so excited for the ways that God is moving in graduates, in our students, and in the ways that they are stepping into next chapters. But again, you can't blame me for being excited to work with students. They are just incredible. And right now, as I look at you guys, some of you guys feel maybe like you dragged yourself to this point. Um, You got through a global pandemic in high school, which as if high school isn't already hard enough, but you got here. And so you did it. Congratulations. We are so proud of you um, accomplishing that and just being here. And also, I feel like I need to say that to the parents as well. You did it. You made it. Um, You got here. You got your student here. um, And we're just proud of you, too. And so it's funny, though, because as we talk about, like, you made it. You did it. It's graduation, even if graduation Sunday isn't today, right? Like, you haven't walked across that stage quite yet. It's here. And that season of papers and exams and all of that different stuff is behind you now. Even if you're going into college, that's a different season that involves those things. But we're just so proud of you for going through this season in the way that you have. And we just can't believe we're here. Um, I feel like both groups though, students and parents alike, have been probably dreaming about this day for a while. Graduates, you guys have probably been dreaming about the day when the homework would stop, at least for a little while. You've been dreaming of the culmination of all of your hard work, years and years of homework and quizzes and all of these endless questions just being done and getting to celebrate and get that diploma. And parents, you may be here today and you may be looking at your graduate or you know, looking at some of these graduates and remembering when they ran around the house in nothing but pull-ups and you feel like you blinked 
And now they could be taller than you, which is frightening, but also they're ready to walk across that stage to get that diploma, to step into that next season of life, that next chapter. But you'll use any excuse to be able to celebrate them and what God is doing in their lives. But they are, they're taking these steps closer to where they wanna be. These steps closer, one, even just one step closer to who and where they wanna be, one step closer to the dream of their life. And that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about today. We're gonna be talking about dreams, but also within dreams, these moments that make us, that are a part of that, that build up to be those dreams, and even if the dream looks a little bit different than we think. And so we're gonna be talking about this idea of dreams and these kind of moments that make us, these culminating moments through the life of Joseph in Genesis. And Joseph's life is found in Genesis in chapters 37 through 50. So let's buckle in, let's go. We're gonna read through all of it. No, I'm just kidding. We are, some of you guys are like, we're like, what? I'm sorry. No, we're not going through all of those chapters. We are gonna do some highlights um, and go through those. I definitely encourage you though, go home and read it. Even as I was reading through it again, things just stick out differently and it's such an incredible story of God moving in Joseph's life. And so I wanna take a deeper look at some of these things together, just some of these points. But just to make sure that we're all on the same page, give a little bit of background. Uh, I feel like Joseph is one of those biblical people, one of those biblical characters that we've probably heard about at one point or another in our lives. But his father is also one that we've heard stories about maybe growing up. His father's name was Jacob, and he met this beautiful woman that he wanted to marry. He wanted to marry her so bad, and her name, her name was Rachel. And he decided that he wanted to marry her, and he went to her father. And they came up with this deal that he would work for his to-be father-in-law in order to marry Rachel. And so he worked, and at the end, when the wedding came, his father-in-law played an old switcheroo and had him marry his older daughter, Leah, who instead of being described as beautiful, they just described her as having weak eyes. Yeah. So he ends up marrying Leah, and so, but Joseph, or Jacob wants to marry Rachel, and so he works even longer so that he can marry her, and he does that. And Rachel is Joseph's mom. That's kind of where we come. So if you think today, even your family was chaotic getting into church today, I promise this, chaotic, this family is chaotic for generations. And so this is something that we see in the story. But as that happens, that is Joseph's mother. And so Joseph is the youngest and he's favored by his father because he's born in his father's old age, but he's also born from his favorite wife. And so there is very apparent to his siblings that he is special, he is different. He has his father's favor in a way that they don't, and it causes this sibling rivalry and bitterness to grow, which is only solidified when his father gives him this robe, this coat, as a physical and visual representation of the favor that he has that they don't. And so where we pick up here in Genesis 37, Joseph tells his brothers something that just solidifies their angst toward him to begin with. He tells them about these dreams that he's had. He has these dreams of them being out and having sheaves of wheat and their, his brother's sheaves of wheat bow down to his, which of course isn't a good look in their eyes. They do not like this. And then he goes on to tell another dream where the sun and the moon and the stars, the same amount of stars as he has brothers, they are there and they bow down to him. And of course the brothers are like, who do you think 
you are. You are the youngest, this is not how this works, we are not doing this, if you think this is happening, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, this is not gonna happen. And so they are so mad and to the point where they plot to kill him. They're like, we don't even wanna deal with this anymore. But one of the brothers says, let's not kill him, let's put him in a pit. And he has plans to go back and save him, but what ends up happening is they put him in this pit and they decide to make some money. And they sell him to a caravan. They sell him into slavery and kick him out of the family, essentially. He ends up going and being sold and then ends up being purchased by a man named Potiphar, who works for Pharaoh. He's one of the captain's guards, and so he works for him. But God moves in that moment and he gets elevated. He's given more responsibilities and Potiphar trusts him. He gives him this space and he's in his attendant. But then Potiphar's wife notices Joseph. He catches her attention and she tries to seduce him, but he says no. And as he's running away, she rips his cloak, his robe, and she uses that torn cloak to say that he attacked her. And because of this lie, Joseph ends up getting sent to prison. And he's in prison, but even in prison, God is with him and he begins to prosper there and the guards give him things to rule over in the prison. He's given responsibilities. And while he's there, he meets two other prisoners, a baker and a cupbearer. And they have these dreams. And so Joseph interprets their dreams. He tells them that they will, they will leave and one will be reinstalled into his position while the other will not and will actually die. And so he tells them, though, please remember me, like tell Pharaoh about me when you're there. And he gets left in prison for a while. He's left there. But then Pharaoh starts having these dreams. And because of these dreams, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And he calls him there. And Joseph gets to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And he interprets that there will be this time of, of harvest, but also then this time of famine. And because of how Pharaoh sees God moving in Joseph's life, he gives him rule over things. He gives him this position of authority. And he begins to orchestrate this whole plan around this harvest time and famine time. And when the famine hits... Lo and behold, Joseph's family needs food. And so his brothers come looking for food to Joseph, even though they don't know that that's their brother, which creates the most awkward family reunion I think I've ever seen. <laughs> but they come and they end up having this whole conversation and all of these different things happen there. But Joseph gets to move in that moment, he gets to speak in that moment and be with his family. What a roller coaster though, right? I mean, what an incredible like ups and downs and just crazy loop-de-loos just all over the place. But I wanna break it down a little bit together because Joseph, when we first find him, when he's having this dream and he's telling his siblings about it, he's 17. Some of you graduates today, you may be 17 and you're in the same space as him it, looking toward this future but he had this dream that he didn't ask for. It was a dream that had been given to him. And as I was thinking about Joseph and these dreams that he had, thinking about the dreams that he shared with his siblings, it made me wonder, graduates, but also congregation, when is the last time you dreamed? When is the last time you allowed yourself to dream? 
Was it when you were dreaming of what your house would look like? Dreaming of your wedding, your first kid, maybe your dream car? But I thought even if we find ourselves in a space where we haven't been able to dream, we haven't even just thought of dreaming in such a long time, we've all probably dreamed when we were younger, thinking about what we would be when we were older, right? And so I asked some people because I wanted to know what people dreamed of being when they were young, what they wanted to be when they were older. And I got such a wide range of answers. I wanna share with you some of these answers that I got. I got ballerina, president, doctor, rock star, teacher, mailman, nurse, professional basketball player, house painter, mermaid, news anchor, marine biologist, vet, and my personal favorite, tall. <laughs> they just wanted to be tall, and I have never related with something so thoroughly. But we, I got all of these answers from people, and then I asked them a follow-up question. I said, did your dream happen? And a staggering 80% of the people who answered that question said no. And that caught me off guard. I felt like that is a lot. But the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, and you can't make fun of me for this. When I was young, I thought it would be so cool to be a librarian. I wanted to be a librarian, friends. It happened, and obviously that is not where I am today, but I wanted it. So even me, I'm a part of that statistic, that no of no, it didn't happen. And you're probably like, Bailey, this is the worst uplifting graduation sermon I have ever heard in my life. And as it stands right now, you are probably right, but just hang in with me. Because I would say today that dreams are powerful, but they aren't the sole purpose. Dreams are powerful, but the way that we understand them and see them and pursue them can change in our lives. That doesn't make them any less powerful. Joseph starts with a dream and he goes through a series of ups and way more downs for decades before he sees his dream come to fruition. And so today I would suggest that it's not the dream that makes us, but rather moments that make us and the dream that follows. It's not dreams that make us who we are, it's these moments that make us and the dream follows with those moments. That is what we are talking about today because there are turning points all over and throughout our lives. There are opportunities for us to make a decision where we're set at a crossroads, where we have to decide what we wanna do. These are the turning points, the decisions, the moments that come together, but they cut to the core of who we are. They identify what we value, what we look to, what voices we're allowing to speak into our lives. These are the moments that make us, they test our perseverance, our endurance. Sometimes they test our integrity and our faith. These are turning points in our lives, but we face them at every stage of our life. These are the moments that make us. And as you can see, that is the title of our message today. And I can't take full credit for coming up with it because there's actually a TV series with a similar title. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with this TV show, but it's called The Toys That Made Us and The Movies That Made Us. 
And if you haven't seen it and you want to be a little nostalgic today, I encourage you to go check it out. It is so fun. They talk about seemingly these simple ideas for toys or for movies that end up going on to define a generation. They end up going on to be these very impactful and meaningful things in our lives, things that maybe shaped what we wanted to do when we were older. But they are so impactful, and so I, I love it all too much. And so I went and watched it, and one of the things that they have in the toys that make us is a multi-generational favorite that I feel like all of you, if you are like my family, uh, very much enjoy, and it is something that you may see on screen, but it's Legos. So I wanted to bring some blocks with me today because just the screen's not enough. I love, I love Legos. I liked them as a kid. I never felt like I was good at them. Um, my husband is very much more, he's better at them. And so, but we are a Lego household. And so these are things that we have in our house. But I learned so much about Legos that I didn't realize uh, when I watched this. I realized so many different things, like the uh, founder of Lego, his name is Ole Kirk Christensen. He's, from, uh, he's a Danish man, and so he started out as a carpenter. He built houses. And then when the Great Depression hit, he moved to building smaller furniture items. He went to building even wooden toys. And people loved these toys. They were made with such high quality and just intentionality, and they loved them. And so he went to building toys 100% of the time. And then he went from wood into plastic and then came up with the automatic binding bricks that we all know and love so much today. But even though today Lego is one of the biggest selling toy companies, like above Barbie and Hasbro, there were so many things that I didn't realize happened within his life, things that he had to overcome even as a maker. In the midst of pursuing this, his wife passed away. Their workshop burnt down or at least caught fire at least three times. And he didn't even get to live to see the full fruits of his labor with these toys. He didn't get to see the full enjoyment on kids' faces when they open up their new Lego set. But many credit the company's success towards Ole and his son Gottfried for the strength to rebuild over and over with persistence, to adapt even with the fires, to be persistent, to keep moving. And he said, life is a gift, but it's more than that. Life is a challenge. And you can see that in the way that he created these bricks. He wanted to bring out kids' creativity and adults' creativity. He wanted to bring it out. He wanted it to be fun, but he wanted it to also be a challenge, to challenge them to try new things, to do things differently, to be courageous in that way. And I realized it because as I was watching this thing, they talked about these bricks. And these are two two-by-four bricks, right? And even if they were the same color, with two bricks, there are 24 different combinations that you can put these two bricks together. If you take three bricks, it goes up to 1,060 different combinations. And between these six bricks that I have on this table, there are over 915 million ways to put together these bricks. And I was like, who did this? <laughs> who tried, who figured it out? And even one of the employees said, I don't have the imagination to do that, but it is possible. It just requires that we dream. And the one thing that really stood out to me was I love how they came up with the name for Lego. It's two words um, that a Danish phrase, legot, which means play well. 
but it's also very similar to a Latin phrase that means I put together. Much like Lego, much like our dreams, our lives are the culmination of these things. There are moments that we put together that create the life that we have. These moments that we put together that create the person that we are, who we are continuing to become, they are the culmination of those moments put together. And Craig Rochelle has a, has a quote that I use as often as I possibly can <laughs> ever since I heard it. But he has this quote that says, it's the small things that no one sees that make up the big thing that everyone wants. It's the small things that no one sees that make the big thing that everyone wants. It's the small things like discipline, eating right, working out that people might not see that create a lifestyle of being fit. It is the hours and hours and hours of practice that create a phenomenal musician. It's the drills and the practices and the scrimmages and the time invested, the mentors that create a good athlete. And it's the calls, the texts, maybe the lunches, the time and prayer together that create strong friendships. These things build together, but they are made up of small things, some seemingly insignificant things that people might pass by that say don't matter on their own, but they build up to be something important. And graduates, I would say this is what you're living in right now because you being here right now is not one giant gesture. This is the culmination of years of your hard work of those tests and projects and exams and all of those different things. You are here because of your faithfulness in those moments and in those years to build up until this moment. People may dismiss them, but they build to who we are becoming. They build to these big moments that we look forward to together. And so Joseph was handed building bricks in his life. He was handed many bricks, I would say. And he just wanted God to move in them. He wanted to be faithful with all of those little moments in a way that culminated in a life, in the dream that he wanted. But he sought God with all of them. He built with them. He built the life and the story that we see in scripture. And I would say the first brick he was handed was rejection. He was handed this brick of rejection, not because of his parents. We already established that he had favor, but his brothers. He shared with them this dream that he had. He opened up and was vulnerable in that moment. He could have been bluffing a little bit too, but he opened up to them. And instead of talking through it or whatever, they wanted to kill him. They wanted him gone. They threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. And he probably didn't think that it would last long for him being in that kind of lifestyle. But we see in chapter 39, Joseph was taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered and he lived in the house of this Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Joseph took that brick that was handed to him and was faithful even in the little moments, even when it would have been really easy to just be like, why? He took this brick and it points out that God was with him and so he prospered even in the face of rejection. And then he was handed another brick. He was handed the brick of temptation 
Because once he was in Potiphar's house, once he was in this position of authority, he got attention. And the wrong kind of attention from Potiphar's wife, his own master's wife. And she tried to tempt him. And friends, we will be tempted at every stage of our life. So graduates, this isn't just something for you as you go to college, but all of us, we face temptation, big and small, before, during, and after graduation in our lives. But she tempts him, but he stands firm on the foundation that he has in God and what he believes to be true, and he's faithful in that moment and says no. But what happens is, obviously, she's upset, and he tries to run, and she tears his cloak from him, making this story that he attacked her. And I realized as I was reading through that this is the second robe that Joseph has had ripped from him. First, he had the robe that his father gave him of his favor of just showing just how much he loved him, but also maybe the potential he saw in him. And it was ripped by his brothers, ripped to shreds, dipped in blood, and brought back to tell a false story of his death. And now here in Potiphar's house, he's been given this cloak probably because of his, his status as an attendant to show his role. And again, it's been ripped from him and that has been used to tell a false story of unfaithfulness, of violence. Joseph keeps finding himself in places where he is given cloaks that represent the favor that is put on him by people. But when they are ripped away, whether physically or not, he still stays true because he knows that those things aren't who he is. Those positions are not his purpose. Those spaces are not his destination. And he knows that God is his foundation and he is moving in and through him. And I don't know about you guys, but I know at certain points in my life, I have not been able to have that same mentality, that same assurance in my strong foundation. Because if you're anything like me, sometimes we can mistake those things. We can be tempted to equate the robes that we attain, whether it be through a person or a platform, with the value that we have. We can mistake position for purpose, which causes us to then build upon a foundation that tears as easily as Joseph's robes. It continually says in Joseph's story that God was with him and so he continually blessed him, not because of his position or the cloaks, the embodiment of them, but because of his purpose and intentionality with each moment of faithfulness. God was with him because Joseph continually sought God in those moments. Even when he was handed his next brick. We see in this next block that he's handed, he's thrown in prison. And Pastor John talked about biblical prisons. They are not gentle by any means. They were these vile, just desolate places for forced laborers or people like Joseph who were accused of doing things. They were considered guilty until proven innocent and they had no idea when their trial would be. And so he thought slavery was hard maybe, but then he was like, I'm not making it out of this alive. He's frustrated because he's in this space where he's not supposed to be. He wasn't supposed to be there. He didn't do it. But we read in scripture that he was in prison for two years before he appeared before Pharaoh. He was in prison and was called out to interpret a dream, not even for his trial. 
He must have been terribly frustrated, thrown in prison for something he didn't do, not think he would survive. But no hardship Joseph faced deterred his dedication and honesty. We see in 39 that Joseph's master took him and put him in prison where the prisoners were confirmed, confined. And when Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those who held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. They paid no attention to anything Joseph was doing because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. He was faithful with what he had and the brick. But even in prison and being over the prisoners, he helped two prisoners. We talked about them a little earlier. They had these dreams and he interpreted them. And he says, remember me. In chapter 40, he says, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh. Tell him to get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of Hebrews. And even here, I did nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. And even when his interpretations were proven correct, he was handed a new brick. In prison, I can only imagine how isolating that must have felt. Even with his role, he had these two people who he helped. And the one who promised to make good on that forgot him. And I just imagine him sitting there and feeling forgotten not only by the cupbearer, but by God. I feel like that would be easy for a lot of us to do. And this isn't in the biblical scripture, but I just imagine him pulling out maybe even just a scrap of the robe that his father had given him. Just this little piece that is frayed and discolored and just faded. And looking at it not only as a scrap of his robe, but a scrap of his dreams. A scrap of what he thought his dream was, his purpose was. Maybe he even treated it and looked at it, threw it on the ground, talked about it the way that some of us talk about our dreams of what we wanted to be when we were older. That's just kid stuff. It wasn't realistic. It wasn't gonna happen. But even in the isolation, he is faithful and he stays true and he keeps pushing even through whatever doubt and isolation he is feeling. And Pharaoh has dreams he can't figure out. And so the cupbearer remembers him and brings Joseph. But the first thing that Joseph says to him when he tells him about these dreams is he says, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Even after two years in prison, after being sold into slavery, being falsely accused, Joseph gives credit to God. He says he will do this. Pharaoh sees that God is with him and puts him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. But we see that Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And those who maybe 30 or older than 30 probably feel like that gap between 30 and 17 is a long time. That is what has happened. That has been his time that he's been seeking to have this dream. But the next brick he's been given is an opportunity. He's handed an opportunity to have reconciliation and restoration with his family. Because the harvest happens and the famine comes and they are set up because of his faithfulness in the moments of giving God the credit, allowing him to interpret these dreams. And so they have food and Joseph's family comes seeking food and mercy. 
And Joseph definitely messed with them. Like, don't get me wrong, he's the youngest sibling. He messed with them and he was seeing if they were still the way that they had been all of those years ago. But he reveals that he's their brother. And I just imagine him looking and looking at them in that moment and thinking back on all of those years, thinking about being in the pit, thinking about being in Potiphar's house, thinking about being in prison, thinking about the rejection, the frustration, the isolation, and picking up the brick and still placing it, still, still placing the restoration and reconciliation with his family still seeking to be a part of that story. And he even says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God invites us to be a part of the construction. He orchestrates the design though. We bring all of our different blocks and moments and all he asks is that we are faithful in placing them. It's the small things that no one sees that build up to be the big thing everyone wants. And if you're a Lego person, you know that all too well. Because Joseph had this dream and just like you get a Lego set, you know what it's supposed to look like. But when you get in it, you Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.